Uh, this morning, um, I need to start by kind of maybe, who is this guy? You've had several ministers come and share, and, uh, and, and uh, while Pastor Norm has taken some time re- and uh, refreshing his life and spirit, and uh, I was honored when Pastor Norm called me and said, would you come and minister on this particular day to, for our congregation? And I, I'm just so honored, first of all, to be here. You need to know we do not take this lightly, and uh, it's a privilege always to share God's Word and to live God's Word out in front of His people. Uh, A little bit about me and my family. This is my wife, Tammy, and again, my name is Brooks. Um, I have two last names. Brooks is my mom's maiden name, so I got Brooks and I got McElhaney, and uh, McElhaney is really long, so we'll just go with Brooks and uh, keep it simple. But uh, we have six children and uh, seven grandchildren, and uh, yeah, so uh, life got real busy at one point. They're now 31 to 21, and in fact, this morning, our youngest son at 21 is being installed as the children's pastor at Brighton Assembly of God in Brighton, Michigan, and we... uh, but we have made a commitment to you that we were going to be here with you, and, and we prayed over our son this morning, and it'll be a good thing and, and a blessing for him, and uh, we're just honored that God has used our lives. Let me tell you just a little bit about me. Uh, when I was born, I was born with uh, a condition called Pierre Robin Syndrome. It's actually what you might know as cleft palate. I was missing the hard and the soft palate in my mouth, and Uh, They actually brought my dad into the room uh, after I was delivered. My dad happened to be a medic in the uh, Korean War, and uh, when they brought him into the room to see me, he said my little body was just completely blue. Uh, The doctors had told him at that point, if if he lives, uh, he's probably, and this is an old term that you may have heard, but he'll be a vegetable. He won't be able to function. There's no way he got enough oxygen because when I was born, my tongue had lodged itself back in my throat uh, because there was nothing to hold it up like your palate being there. And so uh, they did what they thought. They actually called a maintenance man in to drill a hole in the top of the incubator. Back in that day, they didn't have all the holes and contraptions. And the maintenance man drilled a hole. They sewed a uh, string to my tongue, and they pulled it up, locked me on my back, and held my tongue out of my mouth uh, through that little hole. Until they called a doctor, and he had never dealt with this before, but he read about it. And so uh, he came in and decided to sew my tongue to my bottom lip and just inside. Well, after eight months, my tongue grew to my lip, and now it's time because they had made some repairs in there. And so they clipped my tongue, so I have about two-thirds of my tongue. So I also, just so you can put this in context, was born in Mobile, Alabama, raised in Mississippi, but that southern upbringing did not help my speech at all. In fact, until I was 12 years old, on first communication with anyone, no one understood a word I said. But then God filled me with His Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there is something to the life of God, not just the believer, not just the salvation, but the work of God that He wants to do in our lives. At that point, my speech began to improve. In fact, my degree today, my bachelor's degree Uh, is in vocal performance and music. I served for several years as a music minister and then a senior associate, and then uh, just recently uh, resigned my position at Northville Christian, where I pastored for 17 years. And now I serve as the secretary treasurer for our Michigan Ministry Network, or district as you may know it. And uh, I'm honored to serve and be elected into that position by, by uh, my friends and our, our co-leaders uh, to serve you. But you need to know, even though I might be called a secretary treasurer, that is not where my heart lies. It lies in some giftings that God may have had because before I was called into ministry, I, I thought I was going to be a math teacher. 
I was going to go to church. I was going to be a good helper in the church. But then uh, God has orchestrated, I believe, a couple of years of all that training to help do what I do today. And I, I appreciate that. So I want you to know God uses that stuff in your life for His purpose and His timing. Amen? Amen. But I just want to share with you this morning, if you don't mind, I'm going to slip over to the keyboard here. We used to call it a piano. How many are familiar with that old term, piano? It's kind of a keyboard of today, but uh, I just want to, you are worshipers. You really are. And uh, I just want to take a moment and worship with you. Because I want you to know my heart as we learn the heart of God. Amen. Would you just lift this old song that says, I should be Lord. He has Lordship. So Heavenly Father, today we cry out, oh Lord, come have your way in my heart, my life. God, it's not about even the things that you've done, though we are grateful. As I heard the testimony of my brother this morning from a stroke and what you've done. Thank you for healing. Thank you for touching. Thank you. But Lord, it is about your work, your continued work. So Lord, keep doing what you're doing. Keep working the miracles. 
Keep providing the healing power of the Lord. And Spirit of God, keep pouring yourself upon our lives and through our lives that we might be representatives of you and do it well and bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. you. may be seated. This morning, I, uh, I, I, again, I'm just honored to have the privilege and uh, bring you the Word of God. Today, I want to talk about life decisions, and thank you for the help uh, in the back with our notes today. Let me start, though, with a question that maybe you've asked, maybe you've thought of. It says, what does God want me to do? Has anybody ever asked that question? I think we all have. So, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? And maybe that's been the question you've been asking yourself uh, all of life, maybe at seasons of life, and maybe another way to phrase it would be this, what, what is God's will for my life? Anybody ever asked it that way? God, what's your will? Well, here's an important thought for today and probably for all of life, and it's this thought. The decisions that we make today determines the stories that we will tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today determines the stories that we will tell tomorrow. Church, you need to understand the importance of this. Our decisions today matter to our future. In fact, today your personal decisions are a result of the decisions that you've made in the past. Some of you are saved today, and I hope everyone in the room is, but you are saved because you made the greatest life decision you could ever make, and that was to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, and that decision made a direct impact upon your momentary life and your eternal life, amen? But it's also made an impact on those around you because of your decision. But how do you know that God is still working in and through us? None of us have arrived. I think that ought to deserve an amen across the entire room. Amen? None of us have arrived. Now, I don't want to be rude in my statement here, but I'm going to say it. Most people are not great decision makers. I have a daughter my, uh, out of the six kids, there are four girls and two boys. The bo boys are bookend boys. But my number two, my oldest girl, is uh, she just has a hard time making decisions. And, uh, and, and though she is a wonderful person, she just, I don't know what to do, you know. It's just that, that feeling. Um, when uh, our children were at home and growing up, you can imagine with six kids and us two, whenever we would decide to go and eat somewhere, that decision was a challenge with eight different taste buds. And I don't understand. They came from me and my wife, but all six of them had different opinions. Can you imagine? <clears throat> but it's just that God orchestrated them to be who they are. So anyway, it was, it was challenging to make that decision to satisfy everyone. Now, I'm glad that none of the food decisions we made growing up had a major eternal impact on our life. But nevertheless, it was one of those decisions that had to be made. And you'll make it today when you leave this place. Whether it's home or out or whatever it's going to be, you're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision which way you turn and go home. You're going to make decisions all day long in your life. And I came prepared this morning. You know, glass of water and halls and all that. Yesterday, our fourth girl, fifth child, got married in Chicago. So it was an exciting day. <laughs> so life's been a little bit busy. And so anyway, out of that, five of our six kids are married, and I just have the 21-year-old boy left, and uh, just one more, but we, maybe it's a boy, it won't cost as much, maybe. But there were a lot of decisions we had to make in regards to that wedding, and, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. Those decisions are, are, impo are important, 
and could be life-changing if, if they're the wrong ones. There are other decisions I'm pretty sure that most of us have made in lives at time. That wish, I wish, say, we say things like, I wish I could go back and do that over. Again, anybody there, you know, if you had that, I wish I could go back. There are those kind of decisions in our life. Maybe it was some big purchase you made. Uh, maybe it was a job change or career. <clears throat> maybe it was a decision way back in high school or college that you regret. Some of you right now, though, are, might be in what I call decision mode. You're making a decision in life. Maybe it's about a job. Maybe it's about a new car, a new house, a new school. Maybe it's corporately as a, as a church body that you're working through something. I just know there's decisions we make all the time. And, and the problem with it is that we can be so easily stressed out when we begin to talk about all the decisions we have to make. But you do not have to be stressed out. But we all need to make good life decisions. Can everybody say amen to that? So today, I want to build on a foundation upon which we should make decisions. And the question that's going to lay the foundation for us is this question. What does God care about? Everybody say that. See, we always say, God, what do you want me to do? And really the question is, God, what do you care about? When I go back to that first question, what, what does God want me to do? The problem is it gets concerned about the do. What does God want me to do? And what we miss is the most important thing in life decisions, and it is this, that God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. God is more concerned about who you are. When it comes to the will of God, you have to first understand that God cares more about who you are than the things you do. God cares about who before do. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says this, God's will, doesn't that sound like a scripture you've been wanting to hear all your life? God's will is for you to be, and everybody say the next word, holy. holy. God's will, you've been wondering, what is God's will for my life? It's to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Church, God's will is for you to be holy. It's about who we are. Now, in the scripture we read, did it say God's will is for you to be an accountant? God's will is for you to be a teacher. God's will is for you to be a missionary. It didn't say any of that. What it said is God's will is for you to be, and everybody say it again, holy. God's will is for you to be holy. In fact, the Greek word here in the Scripture is the word meaning set apart. It means to be different. It means to have a clean heart and a clean life before God as we walk in this world. Church, as followers of Jesus, we are not to look like this world or to be driven by the values of this world. As a believer, you are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Everybody say that with me. You are to be conformed, image. Now look at your neighbor and tell them that. Church, we ought to be able to say those things with authority in the church. Why? Because we're here to hold each other accountable. You are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's the way it is. And somewhere we've got to move from believer. I, I'm going to help you understand maybe a little. <coughs> we just want people to become believers. No. You move from a believer to a disciple. Then from a disciple to a servant leader. And then from a servant leader to a reproducer of believers. There is a walk in our life that is not just a, I believe. No, I believe and I begin to follow as a disciple with the disciplines 
of God's Word in my life so I could be who He wants me to be. It's an ongoing work. We'll never arrive as we talked about earlier. We're going to be moving in a direction toward Jesus to become more like Him. And when you look at what Jesus taught and what He said, He was always more interested in who He wants you to be than what He wanted you to do. In fact, Jesus wasn't concerned about the careers of those He chose to follow Him. Think about it. He chose fishermen. Is that what He wanted? He said, no, you're not going to all be fishers, right? A fish, but he's going to change. But they were fishermen of fish at the beginning, but it's who they're going to become. He chose a tax collector. He chose a zealot. Jesus wasn't concerned with what they did. He was concerned about who these men would become. In Jesus' teaching, he talks about character. And how we're supposed to live our lives. And the better question now for us today is, what does God want me to become? And that's where you and I have to start in our life decisions. God, what do you want me to become? Because I want decisions in my life to be divine decisions. And if you start with, God, who do you want me to become? Then you do it with the truth now of who you should become. It eventually leads us to do the right things. God wants you to be who he wants you to be. So let me ask another question. Was it God's desire for me to be a, a, a pastor? Is it God's desire for me to be the secretary treasurer of the Michigan Ministry Network? And some people go, well, yes, that's what God's called you to. Others are still contemplating that question and going, I don't know. But I want you to know my call as a pastor or any of those things is secondary to who he wants me to be. God first wants me to be holy. His primary will is more about my character than my call. Serving as a secretary treasurer or pastoring. It may be what I do, but it is not who I am. I could be a pastor, believe it or not, and be out of God's will. If my heart was not right with God, and my character was flawed, how do you even know what I'm talking about? I would not really be what you might think, because I'm not the who. It's all because who I am matters more to God than what I do. God would rather me do anything with a pure heart before him than do something that appears spiritual and then live with unconfessed sin in my life. God is more concerned about who I am. So how does this apply to you? Well, young people, teenagers, we have any in the room who are still working on dating? Anybody? Are we all past that? Tell you what, but those who are doing it, it doesn't matter who you date, you just need to date a person with integrity. You need to be a person of integrity. Adults in the room, parents in the room, well, you say, well, where should I live? Where, what should I do with my life? It doesn't matter who you are or where you are, you be a faithful follower of Jesus where you are. And listen, if a person or a place pulls you away from God, then that is not God's will for your life. If you're going to be concerned about anything, then be concerned about who you are before God. Before you make a life decision, think about, <coughs> who am I, Lord? I'll give you a scripture this morning. I'm not going to go through it. But uh, James chapter 3, verse 17. In making life decisions, it says, wisdom from above is first of all pure. Is your motive pure? We'll talk about that in a moment. But the point is, then it's peaceable. And it's full of good fruit. It's submissive. It gets, it gets advice. It, it says, help me out. Church, you need to walk in wisdom, but it's about who you are and who you've surrounded yourself with. And instead of asking God, what do you want me to do? Let's ask God, who do you want me to become? Who do you want me to become? So in life decisions, we have to start with conforming 
to the image of the Son of God. 1 John 2.6 says, those who say they live in God. Does anybody say you live in God in here? You're afraid to raise your hand, aren't you? I'm, I'm going to trap you. No, this is the Word of God. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I mean, that is about as clear as it gets. If you're going to declare that I live in God, then you should live your life as Jesus did. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and what? I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. Let's just keep it on the foundational stuff. In the Son of God, who loved loved me and gave himself for me. Romans, Paul writes in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and what? Holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In verse 2, he goes on, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? Where do you think most of our battles go on? In the decision making. In the mind. Change the way we think. And then, he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Church, we have to start with who we are becoming. The first life decision is we are being conformed into the image of Jesus. Clearly, it is God's will is who before do. A second statement I want us to talk about for a moment is this. God's will is why before the what. In life decisions, we need to know the why. Church, you have to recognize your motives. Motives matter to the heart of God. Proverbs 16, 2 says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. In other words, I want you to know that you have the unbelievable ability to deceive yourself. Isn't that amazing? I know it didn't encourage you, but it was truth. But that's our problem. We have this uncanny way to deceive ourselves in our thinking. That's why it needs to be transformed. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And this part scares me and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's why our battle until Jesus comes is to keep our mind and our eyes fixed on him. Because the cure will not happen until we are raptured away or caught away or proceed by going to death. That's when we're made complete. But right now we're battling this and you've got to understand, God, who do you want me to be and why am I doing what I do? What are my motives? You may think everything you're doing is right, but the Lord is the only one who can really judge your motives. That's because the motives matter. And we need to pray, I believe, this scripture more often. Psalm 139, he talks about how we're formed and how we're made. And then he ends with this thought about this this beautiful people that he has formed and made, that he desires to be with him. And he says this kind of prayer, search me, O God. And know my heart. And then do what? Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. And then point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can I just pause for a moment? Heavenly Father, in this room right now, would you search us? God, we've come to church this morning, but Lord... We didn't come to the body of believers. We came to acknowledge you. And Lord, we want you to speak to our hearts. Search us. Know what's really going on in our hearts today. 
And then test and know what's anxious in our minds. And Lord, help us and point it out today. Point it out, especially if it offends you. <laughs> and help us be conformed into your image and lead us along the path of everlasting life. In Jesus' name. If you're in agreement with that, say amen. A concern of mine would be this. Just how often are our motives not where God wants them to be? I remember a time when God helped me see my real motives. I like to help people. I love to serve. I, but there was this one particular time somebody was walking in front of me and they dropped something. And I, in servanthood, I'm going to pick it up and help them, Right? But right there, the Holy Spirit checked my motives. Because my motive in my heart was to get praise and thanks for helping them. I wanted the pat on the back. Oh, I served them, and they're appreciative. And I could have simply said, oh, yeah, God just helped me. But God was working on my motive. And And what about me? And I had to work through that because I'm like, Lord, that's not who I want to be. I don't want it to be about me. I really want it to be about you. That's why we got to be open to God. That's why we got to keep letting God check the motives of our heart. We need to ask God, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Why am I buying a car? If you need a car, you need a car. But check out your motives. Is it to drive something that's nicer than your neighbor? Check your motives. Why why am I I changing jobs? Is it to get more money? Is it to get away from something? What, What is the motives? What's really going on? Why do I watch the stuff I watch on TV? What are you feeding? Why do you post stuff on Facebook? Church, when we really begin to evaluate our lives as we live in this world, it's going to be challenging because why? He is changing you. Why? Why? Lord, help me see the motive of my heart. Listen to how Paul teaches it in Colossians 3.17. He says that whatever you do or say, does that just about cover everything you do and say in life? Everybody say that first part with me. And whatever you do or say, that's the action, that's the activity of our life. He says, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Do you think somebody ought to check your motive? Why am I doing it? And then giving thanks through him to God the Father. God, thank you that I was able to do that. Thank you, God, that I was able to say that. God, thank you for using me. Because, Lord, this was for you. It was to represent you. Lord, the thoughts of my mind, the actions of my body, the words of my mouth, and the meditation of my heart, may they want be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. Whatever you do, whatever you say, whether you're a janitor or a CEO, running your own company, whether you're a student or a teacher or whatever you do in word or deed, do it what? In the name of the Lord. Check your motive. We've got to understand why we do what we do so we know that we're representing Jesus and not ourselves. So wherever you are, serve Christ there. Wherever you live, serve Him there. Just be faithful in doing those small things. Somebody said, one day I'm going to be a missionary overseas. Why don't you start being a missionary in your workplace? Somehow we've, we've missed the, the what we called to one day instead of called to be where you are. Church, there are hundreds, hundreds of decisions we make each day. You really don't think about it. You just do a lot of it. When you hop in your car to go to work in the morning, do you really think about which way you're going to drive to work? You just do it. 
I've changed the way I think. I, I, in certain cases, especially as a pastor, there were like three or four different ways I could drive home, and I, I just got to a place where I'm like, Lord, as I drive out of here, how, where, which way would you like me to go? I just want to ask. If I hear nothing, then I'll just do best decision I know. But I want him to be a part of my decisions. And I think we need to let God be a part of our decisions. You say, well, that's kind of silly. Not if I really mean it, and it's the motive of my heart. You're going, I don't know if I'm getting anything out of this this morning. I, Church, you will get what you really receive. Can I remind you, it starts with those countless decisions. And if you see somebody who's really like, man, they're living for the Lord, I can tell you this, it started with self-denial in their life. Again, it's who before do and why before what. If we'll get our priorities right, God's going to lead us step by step into the right places. God is calling each and every one of you, first of all, to be holy. That's his will for you. It's the who before the do. It's the why before the what. And before anything else, think about Jesus. God, are you a part of my decisions? Why am I doing this? And I want you to think about Jesus in the sense that of what he endured. The people that he came to love. And they ended up hating him. In fact, they ended up killing him. How do you think he endured that? Why didn't he call for the angels of heaven to rescue him? Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. And Jesus knew why he came. He knew. I'm the son of God. I'm the second Adam. And I'm not going to do what the first Adam did. In fact, I'm going to live a sinless life so I can be the sacrifice that needs to happen for the souls of every person who will ever be born on this earth. And he knew why he came. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. You remember Mark 10, 45? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he came. That's why at the garden we still hear him pray, not my will, but your will be done. Because I know why. It was a battle. It was going on. But he went back to why. Why am I here? And who do I belong to? And who am I? Some people say, I want a calling in my life. Well, I got a calling for you this morning. Love is your calling. The Bible says we are to love one another. Are we really working at that? Are we really working at it? Or do we see people every once in a while, I'm glad I'm not them, how quickly we judge. You're just a love. And when I walked in this place, I want you to know, I was greeted with love. You're a good church. Keep it up. Because you never know who walks through those doors and where they're at. And just love them. Another call for you? I got one for you. Serve is your calling. Aren't we called to serve one another? And by the way, the greatest is the servant of all. When you look at the teachings of Jesus, it was not about a career. It was about character. It was about people. He came for people. And he taught us in a very summed up way of the, of the law when he said, love God and love people. You don't have to worry about the future. 
I just relieved you of an incredible weight. You do not have to worry about the future because Jesus will take us step by step through our life decisions. And I want that to happen because I want it to be a God destination of his choosing. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be frustrated about what's going to happen in the future. You just be faithful where you are and follow God's word so you can be who God wants you to be and do things why he wants you to do them. Will the worship team come as we close today? Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you're in the room today and you've never invited Jesus to be Lord of your life, Lord, have mastership. I want to give you that opportunity today because Jesus knew who he was and why he came. Jesus was the Son of God and he came for you and he gave his life for you. He died on a cross so you could be forgiven. And the Bible simply says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that He is Lord and believe that He died and rose again, you're saved. And that's the beginning of this walk. And it's the best life decision you will ever make. And if you've not made that this morning, I invite you to do so. And in doing that, I'm just going to ask you, and I would never embarrass anyone, but I'm just going to ask you, if you slip your hand up, just so I can acknowledge it, I just want to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone in this room? Just raise your hand and you put it right back down. Don't want to leave without that invitation this morning. I don't see hands. I see, Lord Jesus, I do. There's a hand. Lord, you see. I'm just going to ask the whole congregation, would you pray with me? And I'm going to ask this person, would you just pray in your heart and do so with faith today? That God is who He said He is, and He's promised to do what He said He'll do. And that is that by faith we believe He saves us. So would you pray with me this minute saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use my life for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, heaven is rejoicing right now. Heaven is rejoicing. And that's what we got to just settle it all. Settle this thing. Now, that settled it for a beginning life decision, but I know as a church, you've got to continue making life decisions. I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to know I don't have the answer, but I know the one who does. And all he says, if you'll come to me, ye who are burdened and weary and laden with care, he says, if you'll just cast that care upon me, he'll take care of you. You, you yoke with the Lord. You guys are and farmers up here. I know about that kind of stuff. I grew up with it. And understanding you don't carry the load alone. In fact, he'll carry the bigger part of it. But somewhere we've got to get our attention on him. And I think worship is one of the best ways to do it. But it's not about getting lost in words or in tunes. It's about who you focus on and about who you are putting your attention on. Could I encourage you in worship? Worship is about a lifestyle, not about music. And this lifestyle of giving worth to God in your life, in all of your decisions. God, I think it's worth you being part of this. God, I think it's worth you helping me walk through this next phase of my life. But that has to be your decision. 
And all I want to do as we close today is give you that opportunity for a moment. They may sing whatever they sing just to help an atmosphere. Maybe you need to begin with just worship. Maybe you just need to begin and go, God, i got to get my attention on you. God, i got to get my heart focused on you. And then in that, God, here's what's going on. And Lord, I trust you because I know you're good. And I know the goodness of the Lord is running after me. I I know that this breath I'm taking, all these songs we sang this morning, let them live, but also turn your care to Him and say, God, who do you want me to be? God, who do you want me to be? And Lord, check my motives. Lord, why am I doing what I do? Why? I want you to search me. I want you to know if there's something going on that offends you. Help me change. Work in my heart. Work in my mind. Why? Because I know who I am. I'm a child of God, first and foremost. And why I do it? I represent you in my life. I represent you in everything I do. And I say, so let it, just give him some time before we close today. And get your mind set on him. Would you help us out? All my life, all my life, you have been so, so good. Every breath that I breathe, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for the hope. The hope that lies within us. Lord, I thank you for this church that you have placed in this community. But Lord, I pray that it become a lighthouse like never before. That God, the representatives of this community, wherever they live, wherever their contacts are, I pray for life-changing decisions that as they walk it out, Lord, others will see and say, what is it that you have? Lord, that is recognizable as something that is unbelievable. Something that is not us, but is you. Because we begin to look like you. We represent you. Lord, I pray for those personal decisions that need to be made. I pray for the wisdom of heaven to be upon their hearts and their minds. Lord, that everything they do will have great stories to tell in the days ahead. That, Lord, the decisions that are made walking out of this place today will be full of glorious stories for tomorrow. Yes, Lord. And so, Lord, have your way. Yes, Lord. Your will be done. Lord, that we be holy people. Lord, Lord, abstaining from things that would obscure or things that that would stain our lives in this world. Lord, Lord, make us holy, I pray. And then, Lord, help us do and say and represent you well. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Would you just lift that one more time?